Spence with a diamond cutter. Eddie Guerrero got out of it. Page sets him up. Spencer. Spencer got another diamond cutter. No, sets him up. Looks like he's going to have a power bomb. He motions for the diamond cutter. The power bomb set up by Page. Time limit coming out of the black corner at a combined weight of 666 pounds. Recording to you because you're lucky to get a sneak peek because we're recording on location from Filthy Island. I'm your boy Xander Hobbs. This is Bobby wearing them Daisy Dukes B. And once again, we are bringing you another edition of the Wrestleocalypse. It is upon us. And indeed it is. We got a special edition to you today on Super Bowl Sunday Eve, but one, it'll, the Super Bowl will be over once this gets to you, but hopefully you guys all stay safe and do that out there. Um, we've got a lot to bring to you, Royal Rumble fallout, and the same cool shit that we always bring. Always. So yep. Rumble Royal, Royal Rumble. Yeah, I want to know what you thought of the show. Um, so I, I caught highlights after I kind of read the results, you know, we were obviously for everyone who listened last week, we were a little bit skeptical of kind of where they were going to go with it. Um, I think overall Royal Rumbles are used in a lot of ways to bring in surprises and really start the WrestleMania season. So obviously we saw the mid-card Messiah make his return. He sure did. And then we saw some old names come out, like Victoria and the women's. We had Jillian Hall back. We had um, a surprise appearance from Christian. The return Carlito. Of the edge. What? Carlito. Carlito, yep. And um, who else? Uh, Hurricane was there, but he's always there now, so it's not even yeah. a surprise anymore. Kane was there. I believe Kane made an yeah, appearance. I saw a clip where he limped, he, he limped his way down. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't bad by any means. I've seen worse ones, but, like, it was what it was. They didn't really have an idea. I mean, they didn't really have anyone set to go. Like, everyone was saying Dan O'Brien would win it, but he didn't. Obviously, the winner was Edge coming in at number one. Um, we're going to get to the mailbag on that. To You know, I'm still on the fence about it. I did like Bianca Belair winning the female one. And the female one was, was very entertaining, to be honest with you. It was, like, fun. I did like um, Billy Kay, like trying to partner up with like all the different wrestlers. I, she's hilarious. I think the way they're using her, they need more of her doing what she's doing because it's a, it's a nice mix up with, between like the chicks that can really go and then the chicks that can entertain. So uh, don't don't cancel me for using the term chicks. I'm sorry. No, no, I won't. I won't cancel you this time. Um, <laughs> what I liked, like one thing it made me think of is, yeah, the edge, the edge booking is 
suspicious, right? Like, especially having him come from number one to go th- last the whole thing. And then but yeah. when you look at it, like, when you get into kind of like, oh, who eliminated who and what they did, it is what it is. But I think a lot of, like, a lot of times what happens is, like, Edge won and we all formed opinions on it. Like, or a lot of people did. Like, you're on the fence. because, And that's the thing. It's like, sometimes we got to see if it, it could go either way, you know? Like, right. Bianca Belair is a no-brainer, but we don't know how it's going to go. And if she ends up getting squashed by Charlotte, what the fuck does it matter, right? Right. With so Edge, like, yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Oh, it's just like sometimes, uh, especially with the Royal Rumble, because it's, it is such the part of the WrestleMania season. I feel it's like wait and see is not necessarily a bad approach. No, I mean, and they have from now to like mania. And I know like it's hard to gauge who, because usually the person that wins the Royal Rumble, they're building momentum. Like as you saw Drew McIntyre, like that was, this was before all this um, COVID thing hit. McIntyre was gaining momentum. And I believe if you go into the archives, I said he was my pick to win the Rumble and he did. And obviously there are people that listen to this. But yeah, you can't really tell, you can't really gauge who's gaining momentum these days because but there's no crowd. And, you know, with their piped in crowd noise, you can't really, you know, you don't really know. So it's a challenging thing for them, I guess. But um, Edge is on the fence because I don't, I like Edge still wrestling and stuff because he can still go. And, you know what I mean? But, you know, as far as him holding titles, I don't think it would be ideal for him to take the belt from anyone but that's just i'm getting ahead of myself so we'll no i know we're gonna get into it a little bit more but what i would say is like um edge as a returning superstar he went one to 30 yeah thing is not going one to 30 goldberg's not going one to 30 lesnar's not going one to 30 like he came back in shape looks great like yeah absolutely agree that he should not be sniffing titles for lots and lots of reasons that we've said ad nauseum on this podcast, but he looked good. He, it's like, it's good yeah, to see he, wrestle. So, you know, I think that's part of it too, which has really tempered my disdain for his winning is because it's like, if you can wrestle, you should wrestle. And he should. Yeah. Be- that's, that's why I don't agree. You know I mean? It's not just like this blind hatred for like older wrestlers and stuff like that it's like i said it depends and like the thing is if you can still go by all means wrestle you know what i mean if you can still get an edge can still go you know he's not he's not in that he's not um shitting in the ring like that greenberg drew mcintyre match man that match was fucking terrible you know what i mean and that's not any indictment on drew mcintyre no. he's just doing what he's told goldberg cannot even like yes he is older I, yes he is but like man he can't even lift he could barely lift up mcintyre into the jackhammer granted mcintyre's a big dude but you know what i'm saying right there you know yeah. like the guy just can't go he throws a spear and a jackhammer and that's it yeah and but, the other point too is it's like he can't talk on the mic edge not only looks good in the ring but he still is dope on the mic like yeah when you look he made he was on three shows this week yeah every he was on every show he was good on the mic every single oh week. yeah i mean and, and his promos that he's cutting the one he cut um on raw was really good i mean so i mean that guy you don't lose that you know once you're good on the mic you're good on the mic you know well and since his acting you know he's in that viking show which that's true only helps yeah. Yeah. Only helps. But so as far as wrestling is concerned, I really like Bianca Belair eliminating Rhea Ripley to win. Yeah. I think that's there's something there. 
I mean, I like how they made them the final two. So that shows that they're at least making an attempt to bring up some other people because the women's roster is running is, well, it's not running. It's thin of contenders for titles because like you have Oscar holding the raw title, which is not really hers right now. And then you have Sasha Banks and then you have Bailey, you have, and then you have Natty, but she's like down there, but she can go. But then you have all the other women that are kind of like in limbo, like, you know, the Ruby Riot's really good, but she's in the tag team with Liv Morgan. And, you know, there's not really any anyone viable right now. So them having Bel Air and Rhea Ripley, it, it, it was a good sign to me. And I, li- I like the little bit of continuity of them, um, of them uh, taking out Charlotte. Yeah, and then Banks and Bel Air had a bit of a moment last night on SmackDown, which SmackDown was a, a pretty good show. I haven't caught all of it. Um, caught most of the highlights, but it definitely seems like that's where they're going to go with it. Yeah. Uh, which I think would be cool because Banks is kind of, uh, ever since she got the title, then the big that big feud ended, they've kind of struggled to fit her with, a, you know, this will elevate the title if her and Bel Air can battle it out to, uh, like if Banks holds it to WrestleMania and drops it to Bel Air WrestleMania, I'm cool with that. Yeah, it's just like I know it's it's kind of it's it seems that people have been saying it's kind of early for Bel Air, but like Bel Air can go. So you know what I mean. And so as long as they make the few put people in front of her that are contenders, then I don't see a problem with her having the title. You know, you might as well try something because they've been swapping the titles out with the same women for a long time. So it's get some fresh faces on it. And Bel Air, like we said, checks all the boxes. So yeah. 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 I agree. So, and she seems super hot right now. So I like that. Um, I liked uh, Alexa bliss looking like a vampire. Yeah. Um, so yeah the fiend's got to be coming back pretty soon so like you know i mean it's just it's getting close and the the um feud is still going pretty well so i'm not really it's it's probably the only good thing that's happening on raw so (laughs) yeah it's like i wonder when they're going to reintroduce the fiend and if he will be changed um the alexa bliss stuff she's really done a good job of of carrying it forward and then Randy Orton, you know, the little luchador mask thing was pretty funny. That maybe was that funny. Was, maybe that was a little bit of a miss in hindsight. Yeah. But, you know, they went for it and whatever. And he, it's cool. He's like, he's willing to try different things. He's fucking Randy Orton, dude. He yeah. Say, no, I don't want to do this shit. Like, I, I want to be, I want to be in feud with McIntyre again. But it's like, right. it's cool that he's down for it. So I like that. Um, I feel like hurt business right when they get a little bit of shine they're on the brink they're having some internal issues because they need to keep those guys together as long as possible like they they are one of the i mean they're they're one of the higher points on raw honestly so and then um you know what i mean then we had the obvious of sheamus uh turning on McIntyre, I, I mean, Helen Keller saw that coming, you know I mean? It's when he comes out of the ring and I love when the announcers go, his best friend, Sheamus. And anytime <laughs> they use that tagline, best friend, some shit's going to go down. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, and it's fine that he turned on him, but he should not yeah. be main eventing anything. Anytime. No, not at all. Sheamus should be is, is where he's supposed to be. Yeah. Right. And I thought it was interesting, interesting debut of priest on raw. Yeah, I don't like him hooked up with this. What is that guy's name? Bad Bunny. I don't even know. 
I don't even yeah. know who the hell that guy is. So that's going to be their celebrity. They fuck that shit. Uh, and then you're, I saw here that said you're coming around on Ollie and Retribution. I missed all that because that's not on the Hulu thing. They're just like, they're not getting as much camera time. Yeah. The shtick isn't as heavy. And so they're just like a mid-card heelish wrestling stable. Ali, I think, cuts good promos. I've always liked it. We've talked about it here. I've liked his promos. He's he, They're all the same, and his style is good. It's all very hard, straight-up camera, like, yeah. you know, very... Him burying the old-timers is always good, too. I like that. Yeah, and he's I like his style in the ring, and when he gets an opportunity to wrestle good matches, he tends to put on good matches. Give him a little bit of time. Give him somebody who wants to wrestle with them. And then the other thing I did want to mention from that's uh, on the IWC heavy is um, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler have a new walkout music song. Do they? How is it? Uh, people seem to like it. I haven't actually listened to it yet. I haven't heard it. I mean, because I know uh, Nikki Cross wrestled Alexa Bliss, and they gave her just some terrible, like, mall pop music that she comes out to. It's like, talk about stripping someone of all their cool qualities. They just, just, um, I can't, I guess I can't use castrated, but they just stripped down um, Nikki Cross just really bad. She used to be dope. She was a, she was a different kind of thing. And now she's like, just another person. It's like, it's just so weird how they do things on the main roster. Like, just really weird. It is, but it's also like, I don't know, like uh, often said, audience of one, audience of one. Yeah. But I mean, I think overall Royal Rumble starts it up. They've done a good job. Like I said, we're saving a lot of it for mailbag. Um, but I think that there's some interesting things that could happen. And I'm looking forward to the possibilities for WrestleMania. For, as for I sure. do every year. For sure. So. And then, so, I mean, so that's enough of that. Um, onward and upward to wrestling night in America. So. You're going with the MLW to lead Let, off, I see. Let's start that off. Let's lead off with that. Um, one of the things, like I always say, is like MLW is really good at working with what they have. And, you know, this um, Laredo kid and Leo Rush is going to be a dope match. I saw the previous the seeds being planted for that. Um, Leo Rush cuts a great promo. You know, he was in the car and like, he's very like heelish. He's just like a natural heel. And so... I and I know you're really stoked on Laredo Kid, so it's like the guy can go in the ring. Yeah, and I think Leo Rush can too. And I think that Leo Rush really has a fire lit in his ass after being dropped from WWE. For and, sure. And it shows, and even I think his promos are better. Yeah, like, I mean, because he's not really um, being micromanaged on what to say, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Court Bauer is not writing scripts for these guys. Like, when Leo Rush is cutting promos, that's what you think Leo Rush would say, you know? Like, that's the problem with WWE. Like, someone cuts a promos, and they're like, not only would that guy not say it, no one says shit like that in real life, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> that's yeah. just what... It's um it's interesting because uh one of the, just it's brought up something um that the Undertaker when he's on Joe Rogan said is how like oh how they have talent scouts now at the combine yeah looking for the guys who can't quite make the NFL but have that you know physicality and that's one thing we've talked about it's like those guys aren't gonna know how to read a script 
Yes. You want those guys to be authentic. You have to understand those guys, what they do is they talk shit because they're athletes. You know, yep. if you're going to look at basketball or professional football players and you have to allow them to do that. And when you write the scripts for them, it just, it's so hard to relate to them no matter how physical, physically dominant they are, you know, right. Like right. Bobby Lashley, case in point, like, you know, it's taken them so long and so many different machinations to make him somewhat interesting. Exactly. And then, um, so we've got more shenanigans from Los Parks. Um, they were wrestling. They, uh, it, was a, it was a match with, uh, against TJP and one of his guys. And they won with a little switcheroo. And TJP got frustrated. And looks like he's turning heel. Heel TJP is always cool. TJP is just the shit anyway. So, like, I'm looking more forward to that. Um, Injustice, I like the little mini feud with Injustice and Contra. They're gaining a little momentum. Like, it's it's um, uh, it's lit- lighting a fire on them. Like, it looks like they're really invested in this. And it's just it's it's kind of a cool mini feud because, you know, Contra is going to eventually go over. But it's good to see them, like, backpedaling. Like, they're kind of on the defensive, like you said last week. Yeah, and they had to do something with Leo Rush getting the title, you know. It's like, what yeah. are you going to do with those guys? So, exactly. I like that, too. Um you know there are fil- there are fil- filthy island issues we can report, but yeah. we're we're holding out optimism. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Fingers crossed that everything uh, comes together. Um, we had a match with Gino Medina. I mean, I never really liked that guy in the dynasty, and he's, I'm just on the fence with him. Like, he just really is not doing it for me. He's kind of stuck in limbo. But the, what I really want to get to is the backlade brawl. That was the main event. I mean, I was not expecting it to be so quick i guess i wasn't looking at the time so um like you said i agree with hammerstone fighting from underneath and that's good because he looks really vulnerable i I don't know how a brick shit house could be vulnerable but he is on that because um that one dude i forget i always forget vance 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 Kruger is just like a monster so i mean i'm the feud's good it's super got legs yeah i liked it like i said i thought this was like um overall this was a middling episode until yeah. the end because i was yeah. super surprised and like yeah they're building they're building up for another um what is it event that's coming mm-hmm. up pretty soon so i'm sure they're just they're just setting the table for that which is fine you know what i mean you can't just they can't all be bangers but like it was a good episode it's an e- like i said easy hour to watch if you guys are a, a pro wrestling fans and you want to see something different check out mlw fusion it's like it's really good yeah, and I like the kind of the the storytelling they're doing with this Hammerstone, yeah, Kruger slash Contra feud. He got jumped, then the switcheroo this week. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just all, you know, it's it's very. I think just very cool writing. And Hammerstone is like, he's fucking Superman, dude. He is the blonde haired. He is the baby face. So it's cool that the villains are getting a little bit of, you know, we're it's early on in the movie, early on in the episode, but right. And they are they're doing a good job of making someone as dominant and dominant looking as Hammerstone be like a sympathetic figure because you see that guy's like, God, that guy should be running through the whole roster. But like you're kind of like questioning, I was like, Man, is he gonna make it out of this feud with Kruger? Like, how's right. he gonna get to like that too? And I'm sure they'll do the story on that too. So it's it's just really good. Like it's really refreshing to see uh promotion doing things correctly, so to speak. Yeah. And again, in an hour, it's an easy watch. It's cool. I like it. I like it. Right, for sure. Um, I also really enjoyed this week's episode of a dynamite AEW dynamite. Um, you know, it's funny. I've been watching the 
AEW is pretty much running the ratings game right now over NXT. It hasn't really been close. They've been pretty dominant. Um, but I haven't necessarily thought all their shows recently have been really fantastic. I think they've been kind of mediocre, actually. Right. I agree with that. But I mean, go ahead. You guys can say, but I really like this. I really liked a bunch of things in this episode. So, and I think a lot of what's happening and it's changing is they've got the part, the ultimate wrestling partnerships now. Yeah. Like they are a stable of wrestling promotions. So, it's smart. It's real smart because it's like they like all these um, promotions that they're working with have really good wrestlers in them. And it's just like when you have like Impact and NWA that don't have that big of a platform or with New Japan, like, you know, and AAA, like, um, you know, kind of solidified in their sections. You know what I mean? They're all coming up to this big platform in AEW. And like I it's just it all it's nothing but good that can come out of this and it has been because this is what's been carrying dynamite in my opinion i didn't get to see this week so i saw some highlights but i think you would agree with me on that yeah 100 percent, and that's why i thought the match of the of aew for sure for the night was the six-man tag match um which had uh ray phoenix the bastard pack and um john moxley versus uh uh the uh cleaner kenny omega and the good brothers right um and it's just like one they're all all six of those guys are great wrestlers probably the good brothers in my opinion stylistically not fitting in as well right the other four guys are so good it didn't matter for sure like and the good brothers are there for what they're supposed to be they're like the muscle and the bruisers you know what i mean like they're there like everyone has their kind of like so they're like their role so to speak so you know i mean like you don't need everyone to be like um like Pac and kenny omega and stuff and phoenix you know what i mean so honestly yeah and that's one thing i like phoenix i think could wrestle with everybody yeah he can he's Uh, one of those guys that can have a good match with anyone yeah, and um, Kenny, Omega, and Pac have had multiple matches, and Mox and Kenny have had multiple matches, and they all had really good chemistry together, all of them. And then they twisted it up at the end. Um, one uh, was Archer came out trying to clear the house, which is like, oh, Archer, you know, he's, you know, a monster, kind of face monster. But then... A mask, the guy with the mask comes out, gets Moxley, hits him with the go to sleep, and it's Kenta wearing the nice. go to sleep club shirt, tying it in with what New Japan Pro Wrestling did. And he's got the briefcase for the American cha- or North American Championship uh, for NJPW, which means he has the right to challenge Moxley. And it's just like, it was just bonkers. It was like you had two impact guys. Ray Phoenix is a AAA guy, really. I mean, I know he's on AEW, but. You know, yeah. And then you, and then Kenta comes in the whole like, I was just like, I saw that. I was like, that's, that's yeah, it's that's dope. Shit. That's the game. Yep. And then, um, so you keep going because, like I said, I'm behind on all this stuff. Yeah. So I was just like, I've taken a deep breath because I got super excited reliving that. Um, love to go to the Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa had a really, really great match. Um, Britt Baker got the win which is cool. Britt Baker's really continued to develop. She's actually going to get her first um, action figure coming out. Um, but just, uh, they've had a really, really good feud, not for the title or anything like that, but um, part, I think kind of indicative of the improvement 
that AEW has made over their women's roster and booking. And I think that it's still so easy. A lot of people are just like, oh, AEW's women suck, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, if that's what you think, then you're not you're not really watching it. And you haven't yeah. seen how they've developed a lot of these t- this talent. And they've brought in good talent, better talent around them, like Thunder Rosa, interpromotional with NWA. Um, and so it was really good. And Britt Baker, like I said, compared to a year ago, just like right. such, a, such a great learning curve. So I really like that. I recommend that one. And then we've talked a lot about how the inner circle shenanigans, the inner circle, inner workings, all that stuff continue to slowly grind. Um, But now MJF and the demo God, they won the elimination match to, they get to fight the young bucks. Right. Oh, this, I feel, is when they have to start tying this all in a bow. They still have all the heat with Guevara. Like, it ha- the inner circle needs to be disbanded soon. Um, yeah, I, and I and we've said that multiple times, and that just solidifies it even more so because it's like you got um, the former LAX, Santana Ortiz, just hanging in limbo, and those guys, they should have already had a title run, dude. Like, I mean, it's, it's just criminal. If you've watched, especially watching them in Impact, how good they were and how much hype they had coming along, and now they're just like goons, and like they shouldn't be. You know, he's slowly going to be breaking out, so I know what they're doing with him, but as far as like Santana Ortiz are, they need to they need to have, like, I say, like, Santana Ortiz and Guevara, like, break away. And then, you know, they, they don't have to start their own stable necessarily. But, like, just have them break off the newer inner circle and then have a mini feud and then go do something else. Because it's not the, – the, the Santana Ortiz being in the inner circle hasn't done them any good since they've been in it. No, the only really good thing they had was when they had that, like, parking lot brawl with um, best with friends. Best friends, that's it. That's it. That is it. And that was cool. That was cool. But that's it with the yeah. band and everything. I agree. And like, I feel like there's no way that MJF and Chris Jericho were going over the Young Bucks. I don't think so. And then if they do, that's stupid. Like, you know, I mean, Jericho at this point, as much as we like him, I don't think he needs any more title wins, especially like the Young Bucks should be. Uh, this is the problem that we have with WWE with makeshift tag teams. The, the Young Bucks should be defending those titles against tag teams in that deep ass division. Oh, you know exactly. What I mean? That's what I'm saying. It's like we have we need them to be defending it against Ortiz and Santana, not MJF. And yeah, Jericho. and they're doing the same things that WWE is doing. It's just like they're putting the the shine on a makeshift tag team. Yeah, it's Jericho, but it's like, come on, you see, you claim that you have the deepest roster in uh, in wrestling when it comes to tag teaming, but and then you're doing this it's just a little knock but like it's true though yeah and i would say that that's like the inner circle story is is probably one of the ones i'm least like i want to end the most yeah i agree with that so that's not good because they used you know dark order used to be the dark order and then they elevated themselves so but AEW was good they continue to do good stuff and then yeah the top of the card is the what kenny omega is doing is out it's of dope fucking yeah world. it's really good i yeah. i think this is the kenny omega we've been waiting for character wise and wrestling i know there's people that disagree but i'm thoroughly entertained by it so you know what i mean yeah and then also use being the businessman the evp like bringing all the connections together so love right. that but the one the one promotion they don't have a deal with 
NXT. The black and gold. Yes. Rounded out Wednesday night. Um, I thought that I thought it was a good episode. I I mean the women's uh, tag Dusty Rhodes tag team tournament match was really good. Um, I was enjoying watching Catanzaro and Caden Carter, but the clock struck midnight on those two when they ran into that buzzsaw of Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Good match. It was a real good match. Um, Tomasho Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher advanced, I believe, against a good match against the Undisputed Era. And um, you have here, oh, we have uh, Finn Balor and Pete Dunne getting ready to face off, which is going to be a banger of a match. I mean, those guys can go. They got they have history. And we had a special guest appearance from the Rated R Superstar in NXT, which was really cool. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a good match, a uh, good night of wrestling. Um, one thing that I, I think it's been brought up, and you've said it previously, but I thought it this episode really brought it home was like, where's Pat McAfee, dude? For sure. Because he would, he would be helping this feud. I like Pete Dune a lot, um, he, but he's not like, he's just not the best on the mic. He's just not. No, it's not. And like Finn Balor's serviceable, but like he's I, like him, him being short, he can't carry the, the feud with the mic. You know what I mean? No. And it's just like, it's going to be a wrestling heavy match, which is fine with us. But yeah, Pat McAfee is sorely missed because he could be stirring the pot, running interference. You know what I mean? So I, it's, it's just like, it's too, it's a rare miss for NXT to do something like that. And I'm like you said, maybe McAfee has other um, obligations that he's dealing with or something. Who knows? Yeah, but like yeah. I'm saying that you can always like have him record something and put it over there and do something like that. But it's it's a nitpick, but it's a big one, I think. Yeah, and I saw something else online. Somebody was picking some nits, saying just be like, well, it seems like this feud doesn't have as much heat as the previous one, which was Balor and O'Reilly, right? Because Dune lost to O'Reilly, and then like, and and I get it, I guess, but I mean. At this point, I feel like anything Balor is doing in NXT is going to be five-star match. Yeah, he's really been on a roll since going back to NXT. Like, it, I mean, this is the Finn Balor that we liked, and this is the Finn Balor that I liked in New Japan. And, like, it's, you know, I mean, the main roster, yeah, he had that title win when he first came out, but then he got injured, and then they just did him dirty ever since. Like, not dirty, but he was just, like, kind of um, – just like, just uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of in neutral, you know. Yeah, Rick, what I mean? Rick, would you say ricocheting around almost? Yeah, almost, yeah. but not as bad as ricocheting not around because bad. that guy's just dead in the water. Yeah, yeah. Talking about just all the dead, dead NXT bodies in the main roster. But, Seriously, jeez. Um, and then yeah, I really like the edge thing. And this, we're going to talk about it again. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to talk about it, but. Um, Edge, it just showed that Edge winning the Royal Rumble when you saw him on Wednesday, you're like, oh, okay, this is something a little bit different. Edge right. is doing something a little bit different here. And then we're going to continue to see how that progresses. But for sure, um, that's, I think, all we got for the first half. Yep. We're going to take a quick powder. We're going to come back to you with some cool shit.
Once again, we're back with your favorite segment, my favorite segment, Bobby's favorite segment, the Dark Lord's favorite segment. What do we like to call it? I like to call it cool shit, my friend. All right. And with cool shit, we're always starting it off with the mailbag. That is a special delivery. All right. And let's get it popping. This is from Just an Advocate. He says, or she, this is a three-part question. Three parts, huh? It's, it's okay. I don't know about this. We might have to make some kind of rule about questions, like, you know, one question per person, three parts. You're lucky it pertains to the episode. What were your guys' thoughts on the respective Royal Rumble winners? I like that they pulled the trigger with Bel Air, but I'm still on the fence about Edge winning. If you guys don't agree with Edge, who should have been your pick to win? And question number three, do you think Sasha, do you think Bianca Belair takes the title off Sasha Banks? Well, I guess I'll start off this. I mean, I mean, I agree with the statement about Belair and being on the fence for Edge. Like, I mean, we'll just have, I'm playing the wait and see game. I'm not just going to bury it quite yet. I mean, Edge is a part-timer and like, you know, we've said he can't be coming in beating any champions, even though he said he wants to work a full schedule, but like with his injury history and stuff, it's like, you never know. And I'm a big Edge fan. I've always been a big Edge fan, but he doesn't need to be holding titles at this point. And, um, He's more in active roles, like I said, so we'll see where he goes. As far as winners go, they haven't really built up anyone credible across the board to take the belt off anyone, so I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing Bobby Lashley. I wouldn't mind seeing um, Dan O'Brien. And then as with BL, Belair being, but, uh, yeah, easy for me to say, being Banks, I mean, I don't think it's her time by quite yet against Sasha, even though I said I wouldn't mind, but I don't see them taking the belt off Sasha just yet. But if they have Charlotte get the Charlotte back and they switch Bianca to Raw, I can get on her board with her beating Charlotte. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean, I feel it's like she won't beat Charlotte. Yeah, she probably won't. <laughs> you know, it's like in that point, it's like we, it's like giving Otis the money in the bank. It's like, what's the, For sure. the point? You yeah, know, it's like. So I think the Banks Bel Air program up to WrestleMania, maybe it's like I'm a wait and see, see how it goes. Like it could be really good, and maybe they don't pull the trigger at WrestleMania. But I have a feeling like that's like that. You know, WrestleMania probably going to have live people. That's oh yeah, they, that's, that's right. Why they moved to Florida. Vaccines yeah. are either there somewhere, I guess, from what the news says. Right. So I'm sure they're going to have a live live crowd there. And like that'd be a great pop, dude. Like, yeah, I love that shit. So, I think that I could definitely see that. I do. I kind of think that it. That's how they're going. Um, I agree. Like, we looked at the roster, and so it's like a lot of the people who maybe would be in play, like, aren't in play because they're already feuding for the titles. Like, Kevin Owens is not going to win, so he could feud with. Roman Reigns because he's already feuding with Roman Reigns you know like so you start just picking people off and it came down to a few and they decided to go with Edge and um I definitely was on the fence as well but after seeing this week I you know just seeing in the just for him to come to NXT and kind of give that promotion and Balor that credit of like I'm checking you out too like I can take I can claim yours which for me, would be awesome, but I don't think it's what it's not the mainstream wrestling fans 
but for Balor and Edge to go for the NXT Championship at WrestleMania, I think would be pretty cool and be a big. I would be okay with that too. Big statement about what that NXT is important, which I think one of the reasons NXT continues to lag between behind AEW is it will always be looked at as the niche market for WWE. They've got Raw, they've got SmackDown, and NXT has always been the other kind of thing. And so I think it would give it a big cat, like a big boost, but I don't think that's going to happen. After seeing last night, I would not hate um, an Edge Reigns program. I think it's a way maybe you can include, continue to keep Kevin Owens in it, like a Canadian versus Hawaiian faction. I don't know. That might be too xenophobic though, but you know, like, but it was just so good. Like Reigns, Reigns' promo last night was so good. And the way he was so mad when Edge wasn't there at the beginning of the show, he was pissed. And at the end, he's like, like he has to have Edge, like his whole thing of being the tribal chief. Edge is like, no, I don't want to wrestle you. I'm going to go after McIntyre. It like diminishes Reigns. Right. And I like that storytelling. I like that a lot. So um, if they're going with the Reigns as the tribal chief, having Edge, acknowledge him as he said i think i would enjoy i would enjoy the next couple months to see where that goes All right. yeah for sure next time uh one question yeah Mr. yeah like Adam the nacho Smith. king my guy thing with nachos is you could have more than one topping but definitely luckily comes with one question um and you know what like obviously true fan i, I just i read the first five words i really enjoy your guys's music segments you guys have talked about concerts in the past, and I wanted to ask what are some of the best concerts you have attended, and what are some bands you wish you could have seen? All right. You, go, you, you want to go? Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of my favorites I had the opportunity to see with Xander the Great. Um, we saw SLA dying with all the remains at Slim's in San Francisco, which is really good. Slim's is a smaller venue. Um Asley Dying is one of my favorites, and they really played well. And, and All the Remains really played well as well, um, better than some other times I, I had the opportunity to see them. Um, Xander and our good friend, the Korean Zombie, uh, and I saw an In Flames in Between the Buried and Me show at the Independent in San Francisco. And that shit was insane because, like, In Flames is huge, you know, like progressive metal band from Sweden, but the whole crowd everyone was there to see between the buried me and they played like they played every fucking good song and it was so good and we ate um delicious bond me sandwiches from saigon sandwich and then we went to that uh thai place before the show so we ate good we listened to good music it was a really fun trip and there's a bunch of other ones like starting out of glow skulls at the borderline was really good uh we ended up we were just before the show sitting there that's like you were backstage because it's such a small venue, which I really liked. Um, I think that the new American heavy metal tour in the early 2000s that had Lamb of God, Shadows Fall, God forbid. I got to see the Fillmore in San Francisco, which was super good. I mean, that's what all those bands were like, really at their prime. And, you know, sometimes when you go through, you realize that you love every concert you went to, like, I'm sure there were some bummer ones, but like I just started making lists. Like, well, this is like every, this is just every concert I can remember. <clears throat> but as far as like bands or shows, I wish I would have seen, like, the classics. Obviously, I'm sure Xander would say the same. 
Um, but I think there's some certain shows I really wish we could have seen. We've talked about it. We had tickets to see Lamb of God and um, <clears throat> Metalocalypse. Um, and that show got canceled, and I really, really wish I would have seen that show. Um, when I was in college, I we had the opportunity we were going to go. It was going to be face-to-face's last show in Chico. And we're like, you know, lazy college stoners. We're like, no, whatever. And I really wish I would have gotten to see that show. Um, Cause I think that would have been super cool. And then um, Alkaline Trio put on a bunch of different shows, like right, what, 2019 maybe? When they were playing their albums. And I didn't get tickets to any of those. And I really wish I would have because there's some real, I think seeing that band play a full album would have been really cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for as far as me, I just what I did, I started just remembering the ones like right off the top of my head because I've been to a shit ton of shows. And I mean, like seeing Guns N' Roses was really cool. I mean, the multiple shows I've been to with Bobby that he mentioned and with uh, Tony Bloodbath as well. Um, seeing Alkaline Trio play, uh, maybe I'll catch fire in its entirety. And then I saw him with uh, one of my buddies in San Francisco. That was really dope. Uh, seeing the old school, the original Misfits. King Diamond on Halloween. I went to the the Headbangers Ball tour with Shadows Fall, Lamb of God, Kill Switch, and God forbid. But I was in LA. Um, Megadeth playing the whole Rest in Peace in its entirety was really good. And those are the ones I'm going to go with. I'm sure there's plenty more that I've left out. The ones that I went to with Bobby that he mentioned were really dope. And then as far as things I could have seen, it's a lot. Just pretty much the old guard. Um, I wish I could have seen David Bowie in any era. Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, um, 70s Kiss. Dio, Deep Purple, Dio from Black Sabbath, ZZ Top. I mean, I could just go on, you know what I mean? So, I mean, concerts are one of my favorite things to do and go to. And, you know, when this thing subsides, hopefully we can get back into that because that's one of the things I really miss during the shutdown. Social distancing is fine, but I miss concerts. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And this is nice because I'm going to take this one because it leads almost right into the next question from It Stinks! Exclamation point. Good show. I love the critic. I've heard you guys talking about music and influences you've had that you got into. I'm sorry. I've heard you guys talking about music and influences you've had that got you into music. Any suggestions for bands I should get into? I'm not really too music savvy and I'd like to branch out and expand my listening catalog. Well, it stinks. I mean, it depends what you like. Uh, it's honestly, it's like, I, for me, the way I got into music was my dad was a big influence on me. I grew up, I spent a lot of time as a child with my dad. And um, and he, I, he listened to a lot of like the classic rock, heavy metal stuff. And like, you know, as a kid, even when I was like six years old, it caught my ear. But then once I started listening to that, you know, I started finding my own ear and then the training wheels went off and I went on my own. And, you know, my dad and I both like Dio. We both like Sabbath, but like he doesn't like any of the death metal stuff that I that I'm into. And my dad showed me some cool albums, but he also owns some disco albums, which I can't get behind. And um, it's just you have to like what you have to start off with what catches your ear and then just go down the rabbit hole. There's this thing called the Internet. And it's just like got this wide variety of stuff like Bobby and I, when we were growing up, we used to tape trade and burn cds and so but you've got the internet and you could just go down lights and when you find something you like you'll know it trust me yeah um 
everything in that like you know i think one of the things is xander was really lucky and i think i was really lucky um you know the influence of uh like his dad and such was partially in the music let's do but also like partially like really loving music and and making music part of your everyday life for a lot of people you know and this is probably if you're not if you say you're not too music savvy is most of your music is listening to like you commute so you get in your car and you turn on whatever your morning drive time show is and they play top 40 or they play whatever it is and that's kind of what you know um and the thing is if you really want to like expand your horizons you got to break through that small like and that's really poorly curated content of music, right? And I suggest it's totally one of the things that I I will have to be as poor as poor can be before I stop paying for Spotify. Because I it is a thing I use more than any other. I just do it, use it every single day for hours. And you just find a few bands. If you know a few bands you like, you listen to them, and then you start going down the rabbit hole with like, other people who like this, like this music. And then you get into their discover weeklies and their new releases. And some of it is very miss, but some of it is very hit. And that's how you're going to like, it's just the easiest way. And you're just going to be able to listen to new music every single day. Plus they got podcasts like this one, which is obviously you got to listen to this shit. So that's my recommendation. Um, And also if you just know you like a few good songs from certain genres, Spotify is really good with that. Like anything from, you know, death metal to catchy jazz to whatever, if you know, you like a certain genre and then from there, you'll be able to branch out to other things, but love music. It's the, it's the, it is probably the greatest art form. It's so expand your horizons. It'll definitely give you more appreciation for life. Yep. And this last question we have is from, no chance in hell. And he asked, you guys have talked a lot about impact. I think the best years of TNA were from 2004 to 2005. Besides the obvious, why do you think TNA fell so low down the ladder? Um, I'll just, I'll add to those years. 2004, 2005 were great, but I think from 04 to 09 was at its best. You saw some really cool stuff. And then you saw like with Angle and everybody. And, and uh, but I'm not mad at that timeline. Um, the obvious, I'm sure you're talking about Hogan and Bischoff. And the problem with them is like they so they pretty much gutted TNA and their fan base. It's like they came in, they stripped everything that made TNA actually different. They ditched the six side ring. They turned the X division into cruiserweight division. This is what's what's the X division was so special. They had no weight limits. And Dixie Carver, Carter, the, she was like kind of the owner or head of TNA. She wasn't very savvy. So she just gave the keys to anyone who sung her the lip service she wanted to hear. And they had a good deal on Spike and they were doing really well ratings wise. They were like getting like what ratings were like WWE ratings right now, but that was 10 years ago over that. And uh, Spike wrote in a clause to not hire Vince Russo, who was a booker for the WWE. They hired, Dixie hired him. They found out and TNA got dropped. And ever since it got dropped from Spike, they've been kind of like, you know, grasping at straws, you know, but being on these weird channels. Um, They've gotten back. It's gotten better, but it's just like they they haven't really quite hit that deal with like when they had styles and everything, because when Dixie's parents stopped funding the pro the product, they had to really slash everyone's like um, salaries. That's why you had this exodus of people leaving, you know what I mean? And then when they lost AJ styles, you know, because they offered him like, like I think they wanted to cut his salary, like almost in half. 
And he was like, then he's like, he walked. So that had a lot to do with it. I mean, it's just like, it got from bad to worse. And, you know, the, I, I still enjoy impact. I mean, I, I, it's not where it used to be. And I don't think it'll ever get back to where it was because they're too small of a market, but that's my opinion on what happened to them in a nutshell. Yeah, I agree with that. I kind of, to me, it's like, I would just call it the AJ style years and not necessarily because AJ style was always the best, but it was like in that time you had just so many big talents, like really, really good professional wrestlers, you know? Yeah like Brian Danielson and just Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe and just like the list goes on and on. And I agree, like one, I think of the reasons why it's so exciting about this AEW collaboration is because we're going to get exposure to all these different styles and promotions. And when TNA lost the six-sided ring, and kind of really just became a another version of the WWE model of professional wrestling. Yeah. Wrestling was really vanilla for a long time, really until AEW came in. It's like, and they've they've and a lot of what they do is nostalgia or whatnot. But they're they're just kind of pushing it forward. And now, like, we're gonna get to see like the way like AAA wrestles, which is super different. The work rate's incredible. Like, and then hopefully it's going to add like you said it's like there's 31 flavors like i'm tired of just neapolitan right because we're all just only eating the chocolate out of it yeah. like home or yeah. something so it's like and that's one thing that i think <laughs> tna when when tna had the six-sided ring and they like that whole thing i thought that was the best but i like impact now i like a they, lot of their they were... stuff they've done so yeah. Yeah, TNA was truly an alternative before Hogan and Bischoff came in, and that's what set them apart, and that's what made everyone put their eyeballs on it. And like when Bischoff and Hogan came, they just it just became like a WWE light. You know what I mean? When Beer Money's losing to the Nasty Boys, like that doesn't work. So and it showed. So that's the question. That's the mailbag. If you want to get your questions in on the mailbag, you're gonna send one question in. And you're going to send it to Xander Hobbs on Instagram. And then Bobby, where can they send their one question to? Wrestleocalypse on Instagram. Right on. Um, I don't have a ma- we don't have a match of the week for you because I didn't get around to one. It's been a crazy week. So we're just going to skip ahead to get rid of one. And I've got a doozy this week. And it's coming up right now. Do you see it? No, let me see. Hold on. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, it's easy only because he had the shortest career. He had the least, he was the least prolific of the four. That's, that's although, the one I'm going with. Although Snoop Dogg, Tupac and Ice Cube all wanted to be easy when nwa came out yeah but for sure. he just he didn't have it like i he they just the other three are so prolific you know yeah and i no. always barely slipped by i did hold like the the family movie ice cube yeah like, that was weighing heavily 
Ice Cube was pretty close to getting getting the boot because like because I'll tell you who weren't getting the boot was Snoop Dogg and Tupac. No. Yeah, Tupac definitely not. But like yeah, Easy E only because he was uh, he wasn't there long enough. Ice Cube he he was on he was on thin ice with Are We There Yet and like you know a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I, but I felt he battled back. He he owns. He's the owner of the three on three basketball league. So that yeah, was cool. That's and cool. So if you go but like, I mean. I mean, those early Ice Cube albums like The Predator and fucking Lethal Injection were were really freak. I still listen to those till this day. You know, it was funny because I was, I had, um, today was a good day in my head. And I was thinking like that song, like that video, he's just rolling around in his, his drop top, right? That song versus Let Me Ride. Oh, super similar songs. It's just like, but it's such a different feel, and like, and just like, I don't know. It's just weird that this came. You, I was thinking about that, and this came up. But yeah, Easy E, I love it. Um, he he was dope, but yeah, I just don't think he didn't have the volume. Didn't no, have the volume. just wasn't just wasn't there long enough. And like, I mean, he had an impact. Like his impact is still felt. But like, if oh, yeah. we're going by, across the board with everything. Like, yeah, Easy's just got to go. And not because he's not good, but it's just like the other, the impact that the other three made or like, and the, and the catalogs that they have are just, they outweigh Easy on that. Yeah, but that was a good one. That was a good one. That's still, that's the, the reverberations from the uh, Death Row thing you watched. Yeah, it was. It was. And you know, it's funny, like, oh, I was thinking about the podcast today while we were out. And um, I was like, God, I got to I got to think of a um, get rid of one. And I just it came in my head. So I was like, that was, yeah, that was a good one. I like the get rid of one being a surprise now. That makes it even better. Yeah, we got to keep it cute. We got to keep that gimmick going. So, yes. All right. Now, on to Watch of the Week, we have, before we get into our watches, like we told you, we are recording this on the eve of Super Bowl Sunday, as if, uh, for our listeners that aren't in the U.S., this is um, the last game of American football to where you have a champion of the whole National Football League, and so the two teams that will be vying for the Vince Lombardi trophy are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers headed by our good friend Tim Brady and, <laughs> the, and the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes it's a I running like, track uh, I, I didn't even realize he was their quarterback I really like their coach who wears the cool hats the, the Buccaneers yeah he always wears the like the driver's caps oh that's right yeah and he's got the spectacles what is it, Arianus? Ar- yeah, Arianus. Not a. Ar- yeah. Yes, not Arianus. Arianus. I don't know. Bruce. Whatever you call him. But his but name it's is gonna, Bruce. So yeah, I like Bruce. It. It's it, both teams are are really stacked, and I mean, it's a game that can go either way. Like, what do you think is going to happen, though, Bobby? I don't know, because I would say that um, in the last couple Super Bowls, it's kind of you never know what's really going to happen, like. That terrible Patriots Rams Super Bowl. Oh, that was awful. Like, what? Literally, it was like watching soccer. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, it was like actually, it was worse than watching soccer. At least they keep running around. This was just like nonsense. And like, I wouldn't have expected that, right? Right. Um, Seriously. I think that it's. I think Mahomes, like. I don't know. I think it's his time, right? But yeah, we've thought that for a long time. And Tom Brady just like fucking the. He's like, 
Terminator 2 guy, like just seriously. Fucking... Well, the thing is, Tom Brady was just dropping bombs on a nameless in on in a nameless uh Patriots team, but then of course you send him to a stacked Tampa Bay team already. I like what do you expect them to do? I mean, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a good game, I think. Like, um, I I do like you said, I think it's Patrick Mahomes' time, and I think the chefs get this one. Yeah, yeah, but it's also like I think one of the things Tom Brady has really been fortunate for in a lot of his Super Bowl victories is playing against teams that haven't been there before. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that like Eli Manning was able to beat him. And also one of the reasons I think Mahomes, they stack up better is like, because that's one thing, like it's been written ad nauseum. It, like Super Bowl is weird. Cause they have the long halftime and just like the two weeks and everything about it. So if you know how to deal in that environment, like, you know, maybe it comes down to who's better on the field, not like who can better handle the distractions through the course of the two weeks. But overall, I'm not a huge Tom Brady fan. I'm not going to forget how that motherfucker had a red MAGA hat up in his locker. And also, I just don't particularly ever liked the Patriots. I didn't particularly like the fans who thought he was Jesus. And I hope the Chiefs win. Because you know why? I don't really care, but sounds good to me. Uh, my sentiments exactly. And then on top of that, I've been watching, I've been, I got an HBO Max account, so I've been watching Friends. It's on the background when I study and um, I catch stuff here and there. Like it's kind of like Stockholm syndrome, how I got into it. Cause I was hanging out with someone way back in the day and they used to make me watch the show. And um, so I kind of like just stuck. I've been watching this cool show called Warrior. And um, it's like loosely based on like uh, this Chinese immigrant that comes to America and um, a lot of cool fight scenes, cool storylines, loosely based around Bruce Lee's life on how he grew up in America, but like not really, like I said, loosely. And then to round it off, I've been watching The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. It's this like cartoon that used to come on Cartoon Network while these two kids are friends with the Grim Reaper. And it's really weird and they get into all kinds of shenanigans. So that's what I've been watching. I didn't really, haven't really been watched the time to watch much except for background stuff. So that's pretty much what it is. And um, hopefully I'll have some more time to watch something cooler. I've been watching episodes of Chopped and I know I've said that before, but um, Janine and I like to go into like watching cooking stuff and everything like that. Yeah, those look nice. Um, what have we been watching? Uh, so on Amazon, we've been watching the show called Nick Knowles Original Restorations, and he's in England, and it's all these people who are like trying to renovate and restore, you know, crazy like 15th, 16th century houses and shit like that. And it's just it's a it's a really well done, fun show, and I always like the just the whole. I don't know. The British culture is fun. I like to watch it. It's one of the reasons I really liked Top Gear back in the day. Um, so I really like that one. I have been just, we got Discovery Plus. You like the cooking shows. I like the cooking shows. And I just started watching Beat Bobby Flay from episode one. And like you said, it's like friends. It's just in the background. It's like doing some shit, turn it on. They go fast. Lots of different people, but really fun to watch. I, I always like Bobby Flay and I like the whole cooking competition thing. So I like how the odds are always stacked against him. And I like when they do the, the zany episodes where like, Oh no, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go against Ann Burrell. Who's also like a fucking gangster. Sorry about your luck, bro. 
And then, oh yeah, and then you have to make a dough, which you suck at. So I really like that. So I've been enjoying that. Um, I found this channel on YouTube called History Dust. And I was looking just for like an Ansel Adams documentary. I'm really into photography. So, and they've had a lot of cool programs. So I've been just checking some of them out. It, I don't know. It seems like a, it seems like a pay less shoes version of the history channel, but it's a lot of long form documentaries on YouTube about history, which I really liked. Um, one of the things that I'm super bummed about is there was a place on Wilshire on the West side of LA called the Annenberg space for photography. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of, uh, Betty Rebel and I went to quite a few of their exhibits. The last one we went to was actually just all about hip hop photography, which was super awesome. And um, after the pandemic, they just really recently announced that they're not going to reopen. So really sad about that. But one of the things they did is for every exhibit, they had lectures about the people in the exhibits. So they have those lectures on. I've been just catching up on some of that. They've got, they, the one I was recently watching was this one. They had a whole exhibit about Cuba and photography in Cuba. So I really like that one. And lastly, excuse me, lastly is they just released 10 new shorts, Pixar shorts on Disney plus, and they're freaking awesome. Cause it's all, it's all the newer stuff. There's like, I think there's two that are the Incredibles. Um, just really good. It's like the I think 15 minutes you could watch all 10 of them, but they're really good. And the last one uh, is called uh, Cookie Nom Nom, and it's the Incredibles, and it's really really funny. So that's Sweet. what I've been watching, keeping it real, as always. Right on, right on. Those all, those all sound good. I want to check out that history dust. I'm going to check that out because that's how I was looking at that earlier. That sounded pretty cool. But now we're going to go on to walkout music. We're coming out to the ring. So, Bobby, start us off. Yeah, I'm coming out to a band I know that you like, um, kind of in a, in a unique little punk rock uh, circle. Um, it's called a band called A Wilhelm Scream, which is a great name for a bunch Great band. name, yeah. And this one is called Check Request Denied. Um, it's a killer song, and I like it. I like the thought of just like, you know, for anyone who works in corporate or bureaucratic uh, environments, you have to do lots of paperwork or whatever to get a check, and then it gets denied. And this is probably how I would feel when that happens. So love the song, love this band. Check them out. Listen to the song. Yeah.
So see, check request denied, dude. Sorry about your luck, bro. Yeah, that's a good tune and that's a good band. I really like those guys a lot. Um, I'm coming out to a band that we talked about um, in our mailbag. They're called All That Remains. And um, this is, you know, they were a pretty heavy band until, you know, they kind of lost their way. But this is a song from one of their better years. It's called Becoming the Catalyst. And this is always one of my favorite things. They've opened up to it quite a bit. It's one of my favorite songs by them. Probably is my favorite song by them. So you can check this out right now. It's pretty heavy. <laughs> especially funny because the running joke was they used to they the guy does a lot of screaming and, and then singing but he can't really sing in real life so when we see him live he points the mic to the crowd and they sing so i thought it was funny and now the guy and the guy's a kind of a douche too and um since uh, rest in peace uh their guitar player he passed away a couple years ago and they turned in like to like a different version of nickelback after he went so you know that's what it is but that's a good song so hope you enjoyed that but they were really good when we saw them at Slims, at Slims yeah. dude. They, they were, were killer. And I met Oli on the way when we were walking to Slims, too. So that was pretty cool also. Always remember that. So now that we're in the ring, we are inside the ring, and we are going to continue on our segment of burials, and we are talking about the, the, the burials that The Undertaker has handed out. Of which there are many. And yes. so, this also depends on what, like, The Undertaker won a lot of WrestleMania matches, and not right. all of those are necessarily burials, but some of them were. Yeah. So I think that's important, important to know. Um, so what do you think, or what are the top ones that come to your mind? Well, the first one that comes to my mind is an actual burial, like a backstage burial, was when he feuded with Diamond Dallas Page, and Diamond Dallas Page came in, came to the WWE. So after WCW got bought out, 
Diamond Dallas Page was one of the ones that came through. And he was in this angle where someone was stalking the Undertaker's then wife at the time, Sarah. So, you know, people are suspecting different things. A mask guy comes to the ring, takes his mask off, and it happens to be Diamond Dallas Page. And then, so what happened was they get into this and apparently Diamond Dallas Page was not wrestling up to par at house shows. So the Undertaker kind of put the kibosh on this uh, wrestling him. So it turned out since he was a WCW guy and the Undertaker wasn't keen on it, they buried DDP real bad. And so they had his wife actually pin him in a match. Um, Kane and The Undertaker had they wrestled Diamond Dallas Page and Kane in a cage match and it was a complete 10 minute squash and Diamond Dallas Page's career in the WWE was never really the same after that so that's the one that first one that comes about off, on top of my head for that one yeah more recently the one that I thought about was uh, Bray Wyatt yeah yeah that was that was a weird one because The Undertaker was coming off that loss, the previous WrestleMania to Brock Lesnar, and they kind of rushed Taker back. They wanted to squeeze him into Mania. And Bray Wyatt, I believe, man, he didn't he just, he came off that John Cena loss too. So this was a double burial, but it's because he got right. buried this by was, Cena. Now. The Undertaker threw the, the dirt on it, basically. This was basically yes, the end he was already, of the Eater of Worlds, I thought. Yeah, Bray Wyatt like, was already, like. in, yeah, he was already in the ground. And um, it was a bad match altogether. Like, first of all, it was a bad match. Like, Bray Wyatt, I mean, as good as he is character-wise, is limited in the ring, and he doesn't really need to be his technician in the ring. But, you know, and The Undertaker at that time, this is like, this is his down, this is his decline uh, ring-wise. So he couldn't really carry a good match. And, yeah, Bray Wyatt lost a match where it wasn't that good match wise and it wasn't good for Bray Wyatt like story wise so that's what I would agree with that one yeah and so like we've talked about a lot let me ask you this question do you think that the Undertaker not losing to CM Punk was a burial it wasn't a burial because Punk still I mean Punk really didn't lose any momentum. I think it would have catapulted him, obviously, if he would have won, he would have beat The Undertaker. But it, see, it's not like CM Punk was just like losing a string of matches after. Like it wasn't like the downfall of him. He still had some good matches, but it was just like it was, it was, um, it was like, let's say it was questionable booking. You know what I mean? I wouldn't quite call that a burial. Yeah. I mean, he left nine months later. So. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, because then he did lose to Brock Lesnar. I mean, I mean, I guess it could be and the, the Rock. He lost to the Rock. He lost to the that. Rock. It was after the. So he lost to the Rock. He lost to the Undertaker. He lost to Lesnar, and yeah, so that's three part timers he lost to. So, and then yeah, yeah, no, nah, I still wouldn't call it a burial. But it wasn't the, and it wasn't the Undertaker. It wasn't like Diamond Dallas Page. No. Like, it was a match that was very competitive. The buildup was very competitive. It was not one-sided. You know, I mean, it went back and forth. Yeah, and it's weird when you look at, like, because trying to figure out, like, the feuds. Like, he's been in the game for so long. Right. And, and like, what I remember most about him recently is, like, he comes out at, like, he comes out the Raw after Royal Rumble, points the, the dogong, and he points WrestleMania sign, and there's a WrestleMania match. Yeah, but it's and like thing, 
he's had, he had feuds with like so many different people, like the right to censor. Right. Like what was that? It's like I that's a blip. I didn't remember that. I didn't even I don't even remember that until you said something. Um, and then the thing is too, it's like the Undertaker. He by the time he got to the point of like being able to pick and choose his opponents, like there wasn't really any like burial necessary because he wouldn't have to bury you. He just wouldn't work with you. Right. So you know what I mean. So it, there's only like a handful of scenarios. Like I said, the Diamond Dallas Page one being the one that pops up on my mind the most, where he buries someone, and it's just like, you know, he was the locker room guy, and you know, I mean, I don't know what happens backstage because I didn't work for WWE, but like, you know, if the Undertaker, if Undertaker didn't like you, you you would know it. I mean, the guy almost beat Shawn Michaels' ass if he didn't do business against Stone Cold. So I mean, that could have been like that in real life, but yeah. And he was the guy who forced Vince McMahon to come out after the Montreal Screwjob and address right. the talent. So, and it's like, it wouldn't even, so the thing is, if you fucked around with The Undertaker, like, it wouldn't be like a staged burial. Like, he'd beat your ass in real life. That's how it was. So, I guess you could say so say that. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's like, oh, well, you want to, if you want to wrestle in WrestleMania, do you want a main event as a champion or do you want to main, do you want to wrestle The Undertaker? Well, yeah. for a lot of years, it was like The Undertaker was the, was the bigger match i thought so because it's like you wanted to see because they had the especially when they had the street going and you wanted to know if like i mean there were a lot of times where you know you'd be like oh man maybe he might lose like and there was times like they said that he wanted the streak to end but like i mean i guess to like randy orton was supposed to be the one to like beat it but he had some off the off out of the ring shenanigans that happened so they put the kibosh on it um the day of I've heard that he wanted Angle to beat him, but it's just like, yeah, the Undertaker is like he's pretty is a pretty respected figure, and you know he earned respect and he expected it back. So, and if he didn't say like you know like Diamond Dallas Page learned who was an awesome wrestler, but for some reason like he the Undertaker didn't think so during house shows. So, and that's what happened. Do I agree with it? Not so much, but like that's just my take on it. Yeah, and it's funny. It's uh we we set up these these inside the rings before i had the opportunity to listen to that joe rogan podcast with the undertaker and he doesn't he's done more since he retired but he i mean he was on there for like three hours yeah and he kind of breaks podcast. down it's funny because joe rogan's like well i've I, diamond Dell page yoga and and the other was like well no i haven't i haven't reached out to him yet it's like yeah hey, i wonder why mark wonder I know, why, right? bro. yeah real life coming back to haunt you now huh you were limber like that motherfucker yeah yeah but you know that i don't have anything else to add unless you do no but i think that uh i think a lot of times because people who had momentum ended up getting booked in wrestlemania matches against the undertaker right and they lost people started looking at that as like a burial and that's just people being too sensitive. That's not a burial. If you get to wrestle the Undertaker in WrestleMania, that's not a fucking burial, bro. That's a big payday. Ask yeah. Zara what a burial is. Seriously, ask. There's yeah, ask Zach Ryder. So yeah, right. So, <laughs> but, but on that note, yours truly, Xander Hobbs. Ours truly, this life, Bobby, the acknowledged Tribal Chief B. Have a good Super Bowl Sunday and have a great week, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Chefs.